The Tiger Tamer Who Went to Sea from History Extra charts the life of a remarkable Victorian, Britain's original long-distance wheelbarrow pedestrian. New episodes are out every Thursday or listen to the whole series immediately ad-free by subscribing to History Extra Plus on Apple Podcasts or listening on historyextra.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. listening to the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine. We're the UK's best-selling history magazine, available in print and several digital formats all over the world. Find out more at historyextra.com forward slash subscribe or look out for us in your digital newsstand or app store. Welcome to this year's History Extra Christmas Quiz. I'm Charlotte Hodgman. I'm Deputy Editor of the magazine. We've got four other colleagues with me today. Hi, I'm Eleanor Evans. I'm Deputy Digital Editor on HistoryExtra.com. And I'm Rachel Dinning. I'm Digital Editorial Assistant on HistoryExtra.com. I'm Ellie Gawthorne and I'm Staff Writer on BBC History magazine. And I'm Matt Alton. I'm Editor of BBC World Histories magazine. So the quiz has five rounds. Each round has six questions to it. We'll each take a round each. We'll read through the questions and then we'll go back through the questions again, giving you the answers. Just before we start, this year we've put the quiz online um, in text form so you can have another go at it if you want to do better. You can find that at historyextra.com forward slash Christmas quiz 2018. If you want to read more content about Christmas through history, you can go to our website, historyextra.com forward slash Christmas history. Okay, so we'll kick off round one, which is themed around pantomimes. Question one is, what would you expect to see at a Roman pantomime? Is it A, erotic dancing, B, fighting, or C, a dog with a Christmas hat on? Question two. The first mummers gambled for jewels with the future Richard II. Why did they use weighted dice? Was it A, because they knew Richard was a cheat? Was it B, to ensure they lost? Or C, they wanted to sell the dice to him? Question three. Which 19th century performer is remembered in an annual memorial service by hundreds of clowns? Is it A, David Garrick? B, Joseph Grimaldi? Or C, Dame Nellie Melba? Question four. What was the most popular thing about a principal boy in a pantomime? Was it A, his songs, B, his rude jokes, or C, his shapely legs? Question five. In the 1862 production of Dick Whittington, the hero escapes to Algiers, chased by a villain. Did the villain A, ride a bicycle, B, escape in a hot air balloon, or C, hop off on a pogo stick? Question six. Widow Twanky gets her name from which of the following? Is it A, a cheap blend of tea, B, a slang word for ugly, or C, her love of playing the ukulele? OK, it's time for round two, Christmas names. Question one. 
Truman Capote originally called this character Connie Gustafson, but wanted something more frivolous. Was it A, Noel Peterson, B, Holly Golightly, or C, Ivy Hodgman? Question two. What did the Nazis plan to do with Noel Coward after they invaded Britain? Was it A, force him to act in propaganda movies, B, install him as a puppet prime minister, or C, kill him? Question three. Composer Gabriel Fauré received which honour in the late 19th century? Was it A, the Croix de Guerre, B, Grammy Award, or C, Sibelius Prize? Question four. In 1903, the Austro-Hungarian Emperor Franz Joseph I became the last ruler to A. Fight a duel B. Veto the election of a pope or C. Declare war on Switzerland Question 5. Rudolf Valentino challenged the editor of the Chicago Tribune to a boxing match for accusing him of what? A. Radicalising dancers B. Feminising America or C. Stealing his wife And question six, Mary Anderson's great invention, the windscreen wiper, was initially rejected by manufacturers as they thought it might A. Encourage driving in dangerous conditions B. Poke drivers in the eye or C. Hypnotise drivers Now it's time for round three, which is on Christmas dinner. Question one, what did Elizabeth I allegedly order the whole of England to eat for Christmas dinner in 1588? Was it A. Goose, B. Turkey or C, nut roast. Question two, what is traditionally the main ingredient in plum porridge? Is it A, oats, B, beef, or C, plums? Question three, Santa Claus was used in 1915 to advertise which drink? Was it A, Coca-Cola, B, absinthe, or C, mineral water? Question four, for Christmas 1213, King John's household worked their way through 27 hogsheads of wine, 400 heads of pork, 3,000 fowl, 100 pounds of almonds, 2 pounds of spice, 66 pounds of pepper and 15,000 what? Is it A, herrings, B, after-dinner mince or C, mince pies? Question 5. In their first appearance in a recipe book in 1845, what favourite Christmas food was recommended buttered and served on toast? Is it A, parsnips? B. Turkey or C. Brussels sprouts? Question 6. What was removed from the top of mince pies in the 17th century? Is it A. A cross, B. A holly sprig or C. A dough baby Jesus? Time for round four, which is December inventions and events. So question one. Which word game was trademarked in December 1948? Was it A. Boggle, B. Mad Libs or C. Scrabble? Question two. Which Walt Disney classic was copyright registered in December 1937? Was it A, Bambi, B, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, or C, Mary Poppins? Question three. Which famous sci-fi TV theme music was copyrighted in December 1966? Was it A, Star Trek, B, Star Wars, or C, Space 1999? Question four. In December 1871, Mark Twain received the first of his three patents for Was it A, an adjustable strap to tighten shirts at the waist, B, sock suspenders, or C, an unspillable inkwell? Question 5. What engineering disaster occurred in late December 1879? 
Was it A, the Tacoma Narrows bridge collapse, B, the Armagh rail disaster, or C, the Tay Bridge collapse? Question six. Which improvement for UK commuters was opened by Harold Macmillan in December 1958? Was it A, the East Coast Railway Line, B, Britain's first motorway, the eight-mile Preston Bypass, or C, London Airport? So now it's time for round five, a Christmas medley. Question number one. In 1856, the town of Santa Fe, Indiana, was refused a postal address as another town of this name also existed. What did they decide to change the town's name to? Was it A, Santa Claus, B, Santa Anna, or C, Christmas? Number two. What was unusual about the Glacierium, one of the world's first artificial ice rinks? Was it A, that it only worked when the temperature outside was below zero, B, it didn't contain any ice, or C, it was only big enough for one person to stand on? Number three, how many wings do angels have? A, four, B, six, or C, two? Question number four. In the winter of 1663, Samuel Pepys watched a play by Shakespeare which he described as, quote, a silly play and not relating at all to the name or day. What was the play? Was it A, A Winter's Tale, B, A Midsummer Night's Dream, or C, Twelfth Night? Number five. Traditionally, who received magical letters at Christmas? A, Father Christmas, B, The Elves, or C, Children? And finally, question number six. The 1909 Christmas production at the Hippodrome, Leicester Square, entitled The Arctic, involved 70 live what? Was it A, penguins, B, turkeys, or C, polar bears? This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight saving time is once again upon us, as is the debate about whether it's truly needed or not. But if you're hiring, it really doesn't matter. Because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter sends it to 100 plus job sites and then uses smart technology to find people with the skills and experience to match the position. So spring forward with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers get a quality candidate within the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash extra. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash extra. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit Apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. Okay, so that concludes the, all the questions. We'll now go back through the questions once more, giving you the answers. So for round one, which was themed around pantomime, the question one was, what would you expect to see at a Roman pantomime? The answer was A, erotic dancing. The word pantomime comes from the Greek word pantomimos, consisting of panto, meaning all, and mimos, meaning a dancer who acted all the roles or all the story. Roman pantomime was a production, usually based upon myth or legend for a solo male dancer who was clad in a long silk tunic and a short mantle. 
According to a lost oration by Elias Aristides, the pantomime was known for its erotic content and the effeminacy of its dancing. Question two was... The first mummers gambled for jewels with the future Richard II, but why did they use weighted dice? The answer was B, to ensure they lost. The first recorded mumming described how a group gambled with weighted dice for jewels to ensure they lost. Richard was delighted with his victory and the lords and mummers then danced and drank the night away together. Question three, which 19th century performer is remembered in an annual memorial service by hundreds of clowns? The answer was B, Joseph Grimaldi. Famed pantomime clown Joseph Grimaldi appeared at the newly refurbished Sadler's Wells Theatre on the 19th of April 1802 with a white base painted over his face, neck and chest, red triangles on his cheeks, thick eyebrows and large red set lips set in a mischievous grin. He's now remembered by modern clowns in an annual memorial service. Question four was what was the most popular thing about a principal boy in a pantomime? The answer was C, his shapely legs. Breach's roles such as principal boy, were a rare opportunity in a heavily regulated business for an actor to show their legs wearing only tights. As such, the roles were popular with female actors and young male audiences. So question five, in the 1862 production of Dick Whittington, the hero escapes to Algiers, but how was he chased by the villain? The answer was B, the villain chased him in a hot air balloon. Ballooning was topical that year, as two English balloonists had recently reached a height of 11 kilometres in a hot air balloon. 19th century pantomimes often included new technological developments and always had a chase scene. And question six, Widow Twanky gets her name from what? The answer was A, a cheap blend of tea. The character became the Widow Twanke in 1861, named after a cheap blend of China tea. Twanke, or Twanki, is an inferior grade of green tea, the name Twanke deriving from Tun Chi in China, from where the tea originates. The implication was that the widow was past her best. And now the answers for round two, which was based around Christmas names. So question one, Truman Capote originally called this character Connie Gustafson, but wanted something more frivolous. The answer was B, Holly Golightly. In early drafts of Breakfast at Tiffany's, Holly was named Connie Gustafson. Over the years, many have claimed to be the model for the real Holly in what Capote has called the Holly Golightly sweepstakes. Question two, what did the Nazis plan to do with Noel Coward after they invaded Britain? The answer was C, kill him. Coward, who was working for British intelligence, was scheduled to be arrested and killed along with other figures such as Virginia Woolf, Bertrand Russell and H.G. Wells. After the war, Coward wrote, If anyone had told me that at that time I was high up on the Nazi blacklist, I should have laughed. I remember Rebecca West, who was one of the many who shared the honour with me, sent me a telegram which read, My dear, the people we should have been seen dead with. Question three. Composer Gabriel Ferre received which honour in the late 19th century? It was A, the Croix de Guerre. On the outbreak of the Franco-Prussian War in 1870, Gabriel Ferre stopped composing and he volunteered for military service. He took part in the action to raise the siege of Paris and was awarded the Croix de Guerre. And now for question four. In 1903, the Austro-Hungarian emperor, Franz Joseph I, became the last ruler to what? The answer was B, veto the election of a pope. Originally, the emperor, the king of France and the king of Spain had authority to veto the selection of the conclave. This attempt was ignored, but the incoming Pope Pius X, who was not the subject of the veto, prohibited future uses and threatened excommunication for any further attempt. 
Now for question five. Rudolph Valentino challenged the editor of the Chicago Tribune to a boxing match for accusing him of what? The answer was B, feminising America. In July 1926, the Chicago Tribune reported that a vending machine dispensing pink talcum powder had appeared in an upscale hotel's men's washroom. An editorial that followed used the story to protest the feminization of American men and blamed the talcum powder on Valentino and his films. The piece infuriated Valentino and he challenged the writer to a boxing match, but as duelling was banned, this never took place. And finally, question six. Mary Anderson's great invention, the windscreen wiper, was initially rejected by manufacturers as they thought it might. The answer was C. They thought it might hypnotise drivers. Mary Anderson's patent of 1903 granted her 17 exclusive years of use for windscreen wipers, but it would turn out to be exactly the wrong 17 years. During that time, motor cars remained few and far between. Many didn't have enclosed interiors or even windscreens, as early cars didn't go fast enough to require them. Despite her offering the device to various manufacturers, all remained entirely unenthusiastic. Some even thought the idea simply dangerous, as the wipers might hypnotise the driver. Now the answers for round three, which is on Christmas dinner. Question one was, what did Elizabeth I allegedly order the whole of England to eat for Christmas dinner in 1588? And the answer is A, goose. In 1588, Elizabeth I is said to have ordered the whole of England to eat goose for their Christmas dinner to celebrate England's victory over the Armada because it was the first meal that she ate after the Navy had defeated Spain's ships. Question two, what is traditionally the main ingredient in plum porridge? The answer is B, beef. In 1747, one of Britain's earliest cookbooks, The Art of Cookery, Made Plain and Easy, contained a recipe in the soups section for plum porridge. It read, To make plum porridge for Christmas, thicken beef stock with bread, strain it and boil it down, adding currants, raisins, prunes, mace, cloves, nutmeg, sugar, salt, sack, claret and lemon juice. Question 3. Santa Claus was used in 1915 to advertise which drink... The answer is C, mineral water. Coca-Cola were not the first to use Santa Claus in their adverts. His first advertising appearance is believed to be a 1915 advert for White Rock mineral water. Question four. For Christmas 1213, King John's household worked their way through 27 hogshead of wine, 400 heads of pork, lots of other food, and then 15,000 what? The answer was A, herrings. Herrings were a main part of the medieval Christmas offering. The royal household also got through 10,000 eels during the holiday. Question 5. In their first appearance in a recipe book in 1845, which favourite Christmas food was recommended buttered and served on toast? The answer is C. Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts first appear in Modern Cookery for Private Families by Eliza Acton. Question 6. What was removed from the top of mince pies in the 17th century? The answer was C. A dough baby Jesus. Early mince pies were often baked in a rectangular shape and were associated with the manger Jesus had laid in. Dough effigies of the baby Jesus were also added to the top of the pie to reinforce the religious connection. In the 17th century, Puritans began to frown on such idolatrous effigies and by the end of the century they had disappeared from the top of mince pies. It's a myth, however, that mince pies were banned altogether by Oliver Cromwell and reinstated at the Restoration. And now for the answers for round four, December inventions and events. 
So question one was, which word game was trademarked in December 1948? And the answer was C, Scrabble. Around 150 million sets have now been sold worldwide and roughly one third of American and half of British homes have a Scrabble set. The game is sold in 121 countries and is available in 29 languages. So question two was, which Walt Disney classic was copyright registered in December 1937? And the answer was B, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The film received its nationwide release on February the 4th, 1938 and took over $8 million internationally during its initial release, making it the highest grossing sound film at the time. Question three was, which famous sci-fi TV theme music was copyrighted in December 1966? And the answer was A, Star Trek. The theme from Star Trek, originally scored under the title Where No Man Has Gone Before, was composed by Alexander Courage for the original TV series. Question four was, in December 1871, Mark Twain received the first of his three patents for... And the answer was A, an adjustable strap to tighten shirts at the waist. Samuel Clemens, a.k.a. Mark Twain, had three patents granted in his lifetime. The first was on 19th of December 1871 for an adjustable strap for shirts which would do away with braces, which he disliked. It was also later used in underpants and corsets. Question five was, what engineering disaster occurred in late December 1879? And the answer was C, the Tay Bridge collapse. In 1879, at about 7.15pm, as a train crossed the Tay Bridge during a gale, the central navigation spans collapsed. The locomotive and six carriages of passengers fell into the Firth of Tay at Dundee, killing more than 50 people with no survivors. At the time, the Tay Bridge was the longest bridge in the world. And finally, question six, which was, which improvement for UK commuters was opened by Harold Macmillan in December 1958? The answer was B, Britain's first motorway, the eight-mile Preston Bypass. The road was originally built with two lanes in each direction, but with a wide central reservation to accommodate a third lane to be added each way at a later date. Initially, the shoulders were hardened with gravel, but not paved, a fact still reflected in the term hard shoulder. So now it's time for the final round of answers, round five, a Christmas medley. Um, Question one. In 1856, the town of Santa Fe, Indiana, was refused a postal address as another town of the same name already existed. What did they decide to change the town's name to? And the answer was A, Santa Claus. In January 1856, the town applied for a post office to be installed under the name of Santa Fe. The application was returned to them with the message... Choose some name other than Santa Fe. The process of settling upon the name of Santa Claus has been lost to legend, but what is known is that the name was accepted by the post office department. Question number two. What was unusual about the Glacarium, one of the world's first artificial ice rinks? And the answer was, B, it didn't contain any ice. The Glacarium opened in Covent Garden in January 1844. Visitors could skate in the presence of a live band, but had to watch out for the smell, as the technology to freeze water didn't exist at the time. Instead, the ice was made out of pig fat and salt. It cost one shilling to enter and another shilling to go on the ice. Question number three. How many wings do angels have? And the answers are 
A, four, and B, six, but not C, two. Only the seraphim and the cherubim are described in the Bible as having wings. Cherubim are described as having four wings, while the seraphim, the highest in the angel hierarchy, are described in Isaiah 6-2 as having six wings. Question number four. In the winter of 1663, Samuel Pepys watched a play by Shakespeare, which he described as a silly play and not relating at all to the name or day. What was the play? The answer is C, Twelfth Night. Pepys watched a performance of Twelfth Night on Twelfth Night in 1663 and was decidedly unimpressed. Question number five. Traditionally, who received magical letters at Christmas? And the answer is C, children. Long before the tradition of children writing to Father Christmas with requests for presents, it was Father Christmas who wrote to children. The letters usually reviewed the child's behaviour over the year and made suggestions for improvement. And finally, question number six. The 1909 Christmas production at the Hippodrome Leicester Square, entitled The Arctic, involved 70 live what? And the answer is C, polar bears. Astonishingly, 70 live polar bears were imported for the show in which they swam around fake icebergs and chased a costumed villain, later to capture and devour him. The whole show was illuminated with a recreation of the Northern Lights. The bears were shipped into Tilbury from the Hagenbeck Menagerie in Hamburg aboard a specially commissioned vessel. They arrived in seven enormous steel cages and were kept on a diet of fish, meat and biscuits. OK, so that concludes this year's Christmas quiz, which was compiled by Justin Pollard, who is one of the QI elves. Um, thanks very much for taking part. I hope you all did well. So all that remains for us to do is to wish you all a very happy Christmas from BBC History Magazine and a very happy new year. Happy, happy Christmas! Thanks for listening to this History Extra podcast, which was produced by Jack Fletcher. Do let us know what you think about this episode by emailing podcast at historyextra.com and we might read out your messages in future editions. Alternatively, why not keep in touch via Twitter or Facebook, where you'll find us at History Extra. For more great history content, don't forget to visit our website, historyextra.com, which is full of history articles, quizzes, image galleries and more. Plus, it's where you can download hundreds of previous episodes of this podcast. Thank you.